Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Monday, December 7th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Today we're talking about the Chiefs' 22-16 victory over the Denver Broncos on Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs were held to their lowest point total of the season, but no matter, they found a way to win. And we talked about it after the game with Sam Mellinger, Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Teope, and Sam McDowell, and with you who tuned in to Sportsbeat Live after the game. So if you missed that show, here it is in podcast form. Hey, almost on time. Hey, good morning, and welcome to Sportsbeat Live uh, post-game edition, where the Chiefs have uh, just a couple hours ago defeated the Denver Broncos 29-16. to um, I think the scoreboard said 22-16, to but I'm giving them Tyreek Hill's touchdown. That, um, <laughs> because he scored a touchdown. Um, we've got Sam McDowell and Sam Mellinger in the house. We'll be joined later by uh, Herbie Teope and Vahe Gregorian. And as always, we are joined by all of you guys uh, with your questions and comments. And we have got a bunch of them already, and we'll get to as many of them as we can. But let's start with, uh, let's start with Sam Mellinger. What would you think, Sam? What did what'd you end up writing about? You know we're live this time, right, Sam? <laughs> yeah. Keeping it clean, fellas. I'm just, uh, you know, family friendly over here. Um, no, I, uh, the thing that stuck out to me, like the Chiefs are like famous because of like these magic trick touchdowns, right? Like Tyreek Hill going down the sideline, Travis Kelsey, like all these things. But I think they're like champions because of moments like this. I thought that that Andy Reid, look, it's it's the Broncos. I get all that. I'm not trying to build them up. But like Andy Reid said this in his post game, and he is famously not, you know, um, insightful is not the word, but he, he's not going to give you a lot in these post games, right? But he said that this is a game that maybe we lose in the past. Um, and I thought that was really telling, and I thought he's absolutely right. You know, um, they just have so many different ways to win um, that, that they can do it like this. Including five field goals from Harrison Butker, one one touchdown that counted tonight, the, uh, the Mahomes to Kelsey pass. And I thought the Chiefs played some pretty good defense. We'll talk about that. But Sam McDowell, what'd you end up writing about? Well, I wrote about the play you mentioned off the top with with Tyree Kill. Um, first of all, I guess my main takeaway is that that can't happen. I mean, NFL teams are too good for you to score a touchdown and get absolutely zero points out of. There's remedies for this. I mean, you, you've got a challenge play, and NBC was able to show us the replay before the Chiefs had snapped it. Now, it was a split second before the Chiefs had snapped it, but it was before the Chiefs had snapped the, the ball for the punt. If they're able to see the replay, somebody in that Chiefs booth needs to be able to see the replay. Um, just just a weird deal. You know, Andy Reid said, you know, and I'm, I assume it was because Tyreek Hill actually emerged with the football that he asked him, did you catch that ball? And, and Tyreek Hill said, no, he didn't. And so that was kind of him checking the box that there's no reason to wait to snap this because they snapped it with nine seconds left. They could have waited to one or two to give themselves more time. But I don't think Andy Reid thought there was anything to look at. Tyree Kill said he's never had a receiver, said he didn't catch a pass that he actually caught. You know, uh, us three were not at the, at the stadium tonight. Vahe and Herbie were, and that's kind of why they're not here. They're working their way back from, uh, from Arrowhead to get to a place where they can uh, join us. but. Uh, so we don't know what was on the jumbotron, but I what I thought about was when when Tommy Townsend was back in punt formation, and 
the replay was being shown. I'm assuming the replay was being shown on the big screen there. Could Townsend even have seen it and, you know, you know help, call timeout or done something to, to stop the play? I mean, it's just such a, such a strange circumstance. Andy Reid said he'd never seen anything like it before. Um, it is, uh, it was, you know, how could how could something like that possibly happen? It's just it's just beyond me. So it was one of the uh, as I often do at these games. I've got two lists: things that were good about the Chiefs' victory and things that were not so good about the Chiefs' victory. It's always a victory, um, but uh, my my list that weren't so good, uh, the not so good list is longer than the than the good list was. Uh, um, I'll go down them quickly, and maybe we can uh, we'll circle back and talk uh, talk about a couple of them. Third down conversions, not so good. Red zone offense. Well, let's just stop there, right? Red zone offense and third down conversions. Hey, Herbie, how you doing? What's going on? Good to see you. Good to see you. We're just talking about um, you know some of the some of the places where the Chiefs came up short tonight. We we've, we've gone through the Tyreek Hill touchdown, non touchdown, but um, the fact that you know, it, it took them several series to get their first third down conversion tonight. And and their first three times in the red zone, they came away with field goals and not touchdowns. And that was never a problem with the Patrick Mahomes team. What do we think is going on with their red zone offensive execution these days? Well, there's a lot of things. They were three of 10 on third down. So what, 30% on the game? And then uh, red zone trips in the first half alone, they had to settle for three Harrison Butker field goals. Finished the game with five. Uh, there are a lot of issues there. And, uh, you know, to me, one of the things that really jumped out to me was that one drive where they were at first and goal at the four-yard line. Okay, uh, did a little razzle-dazzle to try to spring uh, Le'Veon Bell loose. For, he, he got down to the one-yard line. He, then they got stuffed again. And then instead of trying to jam it in there again on, on third and one, they did a reverse play. I don't think they have what it takes. And this is something we've always talked about in the past to be physical on another team and just jam that ball in the end zone. When you're inside the four-yard line, there's no need to do a reverse. There's no need to do a Patrick Mahomes in motion. If you want to run the ball, then run the ball. There's no need to do all that other stuff. I just I just think that's, that's lacking from this offense when they're inside the five-yard line. Uh, Andrew, yeah, it's like almost like the – well, just real quick, it's almost like the, the gadget stuff that they do. That's to, you know, obviously like catch the defense – sort of off guard or whatever, but it's almost like at this point running the ball up the middle would, would like catch the defense. Would be the gadget. You know, like the last thing they, they're going to expect, is, you know, Le'Veon Bell up the middle on short yardage. You know, people do complain about the gadget stuff, but it's effective and it, it's more effective yeah. than, than running normal stuff at the goal. And there's a reason they do it. Uh, Andrew Leifer, uh disagree. Andy got so cute in the red zone offensive plays. Um, running backs going, you know, they want to see going backwards, right, to go forward. Uh, listen, uh, one thing that seemed to be successful for the Chiefs earlier this year were the jet sweeps in, in the red zone. You know, that's how Mahomes kind of piled up some touchdown passes earlier in the year were the, you know, the, 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 the all-but-handoffs to, you know, to Hill, to Hardman, whoever was streaking past. And, and then let speed get to the pylon. And we haven't seen that. In, in the red zone uh, lately. But, hey, so for that reason, the Chiefs were settling for field goals and trailed the Broncos 10-9 to at halftime and took the lead 12-10. to The Broncos went back up 16-12. to And at this point, 
Vic Fangio makes the, the the first of what I think are two bad decisions, going for two when it's sixteen to twelve uh, instead of making it seventeen to twelve. It stays sixteen to twelve, and then in the fourth quarter with six minutes to play, the Broncos face a fourth and three from about midfield, and Vic Fangio sends on the punt unit, and they kick it back to they kick it to the Chiefs and. We saw what happened last week in Tampa Bay where the, the, the Bucks, uh, Chiefs got the ball with four minutes to go and never gave it back. Tonight they got the ball with six minutes to go, led five minutes, made the Broncos use both of their timeouts, and then got Harrison Butker's fifth field goal out of it and really left the Broncos with little little opportunity to, to, uh, you know, to win the game. So um, what did we think of uh, Broncos' strategies tonight? I, I thought they were awful. I, I thought the decision to punt was the the game. I mean, I, I thought as soon as they punted the ball that that was going to be the game. Um, one, of, one of those decisions, though, uh, there were two actually uh, others that I would add. The Broncos kicking on fourth and two at the 35-yard line. I know they made the field goal in the first quarter. That was a mistake um, it, because the Broncos had best-case scenario with their defense. They held the Chiefs to five field goals, four of them in the red zone. They still didn't have enough points to win. You can't rely on that part, on that part happening. I just thought you you can't beat Patrick Mahomes with field goals. We talk about it all the time. I wouldn't have kicked the field goal there. The second one was actually an Andy Reid decision. I wouldn't have kicked the field goal to go from a three point lead to a six point lead. Rather than go, I would have gone for it on fourth and two. Um, pro Football Focus studies this stuff, and going from a three to a six point lead doesn't do you much good in the final minute of a game. If you don't get it there, you still pin the Broncos with bad field position, you know, a, a lot of field to, to, to drive to try and tie the game with a field goal or win the game with a touchdown. But I didn't like that decision much either. Hey, we're joined by clean shaven Vahe Gregorian. How are you, Vahe? I'm okay. It all came off on the drive down here. I moved so fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so fess up. What was, uh, what was the, what's the Gregorian column? out of this game? You know, um, it's interesting. I, I noticed that, that Sam Mullier and I asked, I think, similar questions off a different tree a little bit uh, <laughs> in, in the bang-bang moments of uh, deadline. Um, so I was trying to kind of get at just the uh, the notion of sort of what doesn't kill them makes them stronger. And uh, I think now it's, you know, what, the last four wins have been by a total of 15 points, and they've had to grit them out at the end. And, and – uh, I suppose you could you could see that as making them vulnerable, but I, I do think that it just gets them to a place where they um, have more and more of this sense of themselves as as always knowing they'll find a way. Well, they certainly have, right? Uh, the last few games, they have they have found a way to to get it done. Now, this, sometimes it's it's been against uh, teams that we think will be in the playoffs, like like the Tampa Bay Bucks. Like the Vegas Raiders, um, other times it's against teams like the Carolina Panthers or tonight's uh, Denver Broncos. It doesn't seem to matter what the competition level is. The Chiefs find themselves in a game playing to the final possession, and they don't win games the way the Patriots beat the Chargers today. You know they, but on the other hand, they don't lose, and uh, they're they're now, you know. 11 and one, they clinched a playoff spot tonight and we'll keep an eye on the Steelers uh, 
game against Washington, and then next week the Steelers at Buffalo to see what uh, uh, see what might uh, unfold with uh, uh, with those games. Um, all right, so continuing on my list of things that uh, I thought went wrong uh, tonight, and w- one thing that was kind of subtle, I-, I thought the Broncos' defensive line batted down passes in a way I hadn't seen an opponent do that this season. That was, was it three or four times? You know, Mahomes likes to go sidearm and, and over the middle, and, and Broncos were having none of that. Um, they just uh, they just batted down a few of those balls. Um, oh, the, the other thing, the Nick Allegretti hold on um, on what would have been the Tyree Kill long touchdown reception that was uh, unfortunate and costly for for the Chiefs. So, um, what else didn't we like? Allegretti was kind of like in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, though. I mean, he had he had two players coming right at him, yeah. And so he was he was basically trying to block two players at once. So you know that was inevitable. The hold was going to be inevitable for him. I felt like the official really buried the lead on that uh, call. We were joking about that in the press box. Like after the flags went down, the official first says first addresses whether or not it was maybe going to be a penalty on Tyreek for the backflip. Then he's like. And also, there was a holding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way. <laughs> so it, yeah, that was. Uh, what, so would Tyreek have gotten the? Uh, was there a penalty coming on him for that? It was a little different kind of celebration than the previous backflip. I've seen the Chiefs penalized for touchdowns that didn't count before. <laughs> so I think. Uh, <laughs> We've seen him celebrate. That that count. Count. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this one may have been uh, his standing at the uh, what at the half yard line for a while, waiting for someone to uh, to approach. It seemed him like and, he was there forever. Yeah. <laughs> like at the end of like, the. Is nobody running to him? Like he was just like. <laughs> So much so that I thought he had stepped out of bounds when the play was over, and he was just like waiting. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Mm. Um, we've gotten a couple of uh, Terrence Robinson wants to know about the kind of offensive line play tonight. Um, Ryder isn't great. Wiley's overmatched, and we miss our two guards. We need to make a change center, um, and we have band aids on the roster. But Andy's reluctant to make changes. Um, along the line without injuries happening. Herbie, you, you've got a sense that uh, we Is might that see... all? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> Herbie, you've got, a, you, you've got a sense that we might see some changes on the offensive line. Yeah, I, I feel like... Okay, here's the deal. Okay, Mr. Schwartz was placed on injured reserve on November the 21st. So this right here, this upcoming week will be his three-week window that he has to spend on injured reserve. If he's feeling okay... Then you know, obviously, it's gonna he'll he'll take his spot back at right tackle. Now the Chiefs have a decision to make. They brought up Wisniewski this over the weekend, and I know he's a guy that they brought to this practice squad with the view to have him on the active roster eventually before the start of the playoffs. And I always go back to last year. The Chiefs know what they have with Wisniewski. You know, Brett Veach raved about him at the Super Bowl. Andy Reid calls him "quote dirty tough." You know, end quote. That's his favorite phrase when he when he likes a player. It was Newski brings that nasty attitude that's missing from this offensive line. If they're going to run the football in January, they're going to want somebody that that has that mentality. I'm just going to beat the guy up that's across from me. Okay, I'm I'm going to beat this guy up so my running back can come right behind me and rip off a 10, 15 yard gain. So it wouldn't surprise me if Schwartz is back healthy enough at some point in the next couple of weeks. We have to see Wisniewski take a spot either at left left guard or right guard. 
Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, let's talk about a couple of players. Um, Travis Kelsey was okay tonight. Um, eight, eight for 137 and, and the touchdown. Did, did anybody write Kelsey? I did a little bit during the game. Um, you know, he's also the fastest. The NFL put this out. Uh, he's the first tight end to ever get 1,100 yards in his team's first 12 games. Uh, obviously we, we all know he's the, he's the first to get, uh, five consecutive 1000 yard seasons. And it was funny because when I, I had texted my editor that I was writing it and on, a, on our Slack channel, he texted me and said, Hey, by the way, we wrote last year that he was the first to ever do this four straight times. <laughs> Look up my story from last year too. Right. Cause everybody's making a big deal. He's the first tight end to do it five years. Of course. Cause if he's the first tight end to do it four years, of course he'll be the first tight end to do it in five straight years. It was a big deal on the broadcast tonight. That's that's for sure. Um, yeah, but hey, but hey, little side note. He did the fourth, fourth consecutive year with 1,000 yards last year on December the 15th against the Broncos. So he sets the record again or extends the record against the Broncos. Huh? Little known fact there. Look at that. Well, it's not too little known because it made its way into my story tonight. So. <laughs> it's because I quote tweeted you. <laughs> he's got more yards against the Broncos, though, than he does against any NFL team. Um, and he's got over 1,000 yards just in games against the Broncos. He's also done that against the Raiders, too. Yeah, a team that he thought he was playing tonight based on his, uh, <laughs> his post-game interview. Um <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay, and and he didn't get corrected, so uh, they so maybe they did play the Raiders. Maybe he's right. Uh, uh, the other one I want to talk about is uh, Tyron Matthew. And you know, before before last week, before the Tampa Bay game, you know, we we were on the defense. You know, every show that we did, we were uh, on the defense, giving up tons of yards, getting killed by Derek Carr, by Teddy Bridgewater. Um, just you know, seems like trending in the wrong direction. And look, I, I was you know when when Melvin Gordon had 103 rushing yards at halftime, I was thinking, uh oh, here we go. You know, this is how you beat the Chiefs. Control the clock. Melvin Gordon's, uh, you know, has had big games against the Chiefs before. Uh, but you know, I thought they, I thought the Chiefs did okay. And Tyron Matthew with his two interceptions, you know, locks first and last passes, uh, not his first, but. Um, one of his first, and then the last uh, pass attempt of the night, and played a good game. He was he was the star of the game, as far as I was concerned, and uh, and and so he, you know, helped make Drew Locke's night kind of kind of miserable. Uh, by I know you had some thought about writing about Drew Locke if the Broncos had pulled this out. Yeah, I did. And, and uh, um, by the way, can you hear me okay with the sure pods air, air, and um. 
You know, it was too bad for Drew Locke. I mean, it, the game was kind of there. Um, and and one thing I, I was surprised a little bit, we were talking about talking about in the press box a little, um, his throwaway game needs to be a little, he needs to work on that a little bit of all, of all the sort of funny things. But I, I thought a couple times he, he sort of put it up for grabs when I think he was sort of trying to throw it away. And I, um, I, I almost got him in more trouble. And obviously bookending the game with those two interceptions that, you know, kind of ends up being the signature of his night. But he had some moments and I, I guess, you know, jury's out on how, how many how he's going to convert those moments going forward, right? But I, I still think he's got a pretty bright future, and I think he just needs to have more consistent playing time, and we'll see. I do wonder, though, if he's always going to have that little uh, anvil over his head when he's playing the Chiefs, like it's just going to be in his head. I think it's going to be in his head because, okay, obviously he's from this area. When you think over the last three games – you got five interceptions against the Chiefs. I mean, in three games, five interceptions, two touchdowns. It's not a good ratio. And I'm curious if there's if he's given away something on tape to the Chiefs defense that they're able to read his routes, read his eyes, because five interceptions in three games is not good. It's not good at all for a quarterback. Tell you what, Tyron sure seemed to there we go. basically say he knew what was coming on that last interception. I, th- I think when the Chiefs get um... – uh, they get him moving his feet a little bit and get get him a little bit out of his comfort zone. Where Patrick Mahomes thrives in that environment, Drew Locke doesn't. Um, he that, that's when he tends to overthrow. I thought uh, Chris Collinsworth I thought made a good uh, uh, observation on Locke's first interception when the um, you know the, the short route was right in front of him. Just take the five to five to seven yard completion there. Instead, he goes. He gets flushed. He goes long, and and Tyron Matthew there to pick it off. So, um, I'll tell you what: a, a kind of a, a subtle, really good play by Tyron Matthew tonight was right before halftime uh, when he made the open field tackle. I forgot who caught the ball, but it was one of the tight ends, I think, and made a, avoided a block, made a good open field tackle, and forced the Broncos to attempt a, a fifty-seven yard field goal instead of a you know instead of a you know fifty yard field goal. And McManus misses it, misses it. And the Chiefs go down the field and get their field goal just before halftime. That was Fant. Yeah, that was, whoever that was, that was the, the, the lineman that was pulling. Yeah, but the lineman in front of him that was pulling. If he pulls off that block, yeah. that's a twenty-five yard play. Yeah. Um. And and you're right. Like it totally changes things. And that was. I mean, I thought. I you know like whatever. You can, <laughs> this is a weird thing to say, but I, I thought that was a better play than either of the interceptions. But um, you know, but I also wonder like Tyron Matthew is the one of the worst defensive backs to have if you're throwing like a screw it ball that's going to be in the air a little bit too long, you know, because he, he is a ball hawk. He can read that stuff. He can get there. He can make the play. And it seemed like that that was, you know, some of what happened with, with his two picks. I just wonder if that little part of it's just kind of a bad matchup for him, for Drew Locke is what I'm saying. The, the Broncos are going to have some questions. I, I feel like that they're in a tough spot with Drew Locke because the arm's there, the size is there. But the decision-making just isn't. And that's what you think you can probably most improve with a young player is the decision-making. And I just don't know that we've seen a lot from year one to year two in that department. And the the, the, t- the first interception to Tyron Matthew is just a perfect example of it. Tell you, Barbara Hedrick asked a question that I was asking myself uh, when it happened. The Chiefs getting called for the delay of game penalty on Butker's last field goal. Never seen that. What, what, and then I, I guess I didn't realize you, you can't That's review a terrible that. Call. 
why in the hell can't you review that? I mean, that's that's it's it's a clock issue. And how how do you throw? How do you not see the clock go to zero? I mean, it did not. It hadn't gone to zero by the time the ball was snapped. I just thought, what a a terrible call that was. And but Butker ice water in his veins tonight uh, was just as perfect on the on the forty eight yarder as he was on the forty three yarder. What what made that even stranger though is just. When you watch football, um, it seems like if anything, the officials err on the other side, right? And they they let it stick on zero for yeah. you know just another beat. And this was the first one. I mean, I, I don't even know if if um, you know the holder, if the ball was in the holder's hand, if it was the ball was in Ta- Townsend's hand, maybe even, and there was still one on the clock. It was just it was just one of the weirdest calls um, that, that I can remember. I just never seen anything like it. And, and if it went away the other way, like if Bucker misses that kick and the Chiefs lose, like that's all we're talking about. Right. The, yeah. the yeah. only thing that we're talking about here, tomorrow, all week. That's it. Uh, well, maybe because he only had the one extra point attempt tonight, uh, but he hasn't missed one in a while. I can't remember the I can't remember the game. It would have been maybe maybe the Panthers. I, I don't know, but it seems like whatever was ailing Butker there. Uh, for a few games uh, is over. I did not stay on long enough to hear him on the on the uh, post game uh, interview session. I don't know if he said anything interesting, but uh, it's just it's good to see him back and confident again because they'll, you know, look they, they he played a big role. Obviously, played a big role for him last year, and you know he's he's one of the best in the NFL. Um, all right, so I, I know that when the when the Chiefs play the Raiders, we talk about the Chiefs having a bit of a Raiders problem. Do they have a Broncos problem now? No, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, that, that was forty three sixteen, you know, a month or two ago, and we are, you know, the Sam McDowell Tyreek Hill play, um, you know, the whole. Um, there are a few others that, that could have just broken this game open. I just the Broncos are that's a weird team too. They're coming off a week where they you know were forced to play without a quarterback, and you know there, there's some reasons to believe that that whoever played the Broncos this week was going to get their best effort. Um, I think they're they're leaps and bounds above the you know better than the Broncos, but. The Broncos do have some good game plans, though, defensively, I think, against the Chiefs. You know, we talked about Vic Fangio, and I think he made some on-the-spot, really poor decisions. But as far as through the week, the stuff he did during the week to get ready for this game, I mean, there's a reason the Chiefs are struggling against this team on third down, back-to-back matchups against them. I just, I don't think that the Broncos have enough talent right now to to beat the Chiefs. I mean, it's, it's clear by the winning streak. I mean, it's 11 straight games that they've beaten them. Um, but I do think Vic Fangio deserves some credit for the game plans he's come up against the Chiefs' offense twice now. You know, they've got some good things. players over there. Justin Simmons is a stud. He is. They've, he got, is some, really they've got some guys over. They got some good guys in the front seven too. That was one of the things that I noticed, and and I, guys could disabuse me of this quickly, but I I, I think we go weeks and weeks without seeing anybody uh, bat the ball at the line of scrimmage on Patrick, and there were at least it was at least three I think in the first half. Um, and that, to me, reflects some some level of coaching familiarity, at least. That's a good point. A lot of film work. I think Vic Fangio is a great defensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. well said. And <laughs> <laughs> did you see Terrence Robinson? <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, by the way, just to go back to one other thing real quick about all the sort of clock stuff and delay stuff. And I realize some of this would not be covered under this, but Herbie, you might agree with me or maybe not, but, but we felt like it was an inordinately long delay on TV from what we were seeing on the field tonight at, at, at the stadium. I, I, it, it seemed like much longer in between plays. Um, and I don't know if that had some impact on or any connection at all to whatever else was going on, like the timing of replays or things like that. But it just seemed like there was some kind of disturbance in the force. I agree. There was, there was at least, what, maybe even five or six seconds. That might be too long. Three or four seconds, maybe. Because every time you, a play would happen, we'd all make, like me, I'd look on Twitter just to see how long it would take for someone to tweet out what they were watching on TV. And it certainly wasn't instantaneous. There was a delay. I'll say this, that you guys in the press box knew about Sammy Watkins' catch being overturned, ruled an incompletion. It seemed like a minute before anybody else did. Yeah, I looked up and you could see that it was still on commercial. And I thought, well, here's a chance to throw a real scoop out there. Um, <laughs> <on> <laughs> demonstrate what we can get by being at the stadium. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, did you credit the star? Uh, uh, okay. Hey, so um, Herbie, what did what did Andy say about Clyde Edwards-Alaire not playing tonight? He just basically said, "Hey, he missed practices, and he he felt he lost some weight, and that was one of the main reasons why he didn't play." I mean, to me, it was like when you miss two days of practice, that means you've missed the install periods, you missed the walkthrough. So it, it shouldn't have been like that big of a surprise to a lot of folks, but it, to me, I was. But it was a surprise to people. But you know, you, when you miss the install period, you don't. You miss practice. You, know, you miss the first team walkthroughs. That, that that goes to Le'Veon Bell. You know, I wonder on that point if if Daryl Williams got himself back in the backfield rotation tonight because I thought he was their best running back tonight. Well, if anything, he, he certainly took the second team reps with, with Edwards O'Leary not practicing. He was really tough on the final mm-hmm. possession too. Um, you know, when they, you, you know, at, at that point too, I'm thinking if you're the Broncos, you got to respect you, you got to respect Mahomes and, and, and his arm. But I, I think that's the offensive line had its best moment in that those five minutes there, and and uh, and, and Daryl Williams ran really hard. At a twelve yard, I think he about twenty three yards, I think, on three carries in that stretch. So, um, yeah, interesting to see what might might what might happen from uh, from this point forward with how they use the running backs. All right, guys, any final thoughts? Um, Miami Dolphins yeah. next. Um, my, I guess I'll start it off. My final thought is: thank goodness we don't have any more regular season night games. <laughs> I am down on the night games. These what do we think? Weeks, my final thoughts, these next two weeks are, are, are going to be fun as heck. You know, we're going from the Broncos to two playoff contenders with the Dolphins, who are certainly a different team from what I thought they would be at the beginning of the year, where they're eight and four right now. And then, of course, you've got a team that I think is going to be meeting these Chiefs again in the next Super Bowl. The Saints in week 15. It's going to be this, these next few weeks are going to be good. <laughs> I saw that, Melly. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you would. Was that a Kool Aid gesture? No, that, that was, was drinking the, uh, the, the drinking oh, game. Oh. Yeah, every time oh. Kirby says New Orleans, you, 
I thought you just meant he's drinking the Kool-Aid, but uh, your version is better. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, that, uh, that that's a good one to end it on. Uh, let's uh, um, let's turn out the lights and uh, and get to bed. We will be back on uh, on Thursday. Thursday morning at nine thirty, talking Chiefs, Miami Dolphins, and we'll have more. Uh, we'll have a better idea where the AFC standings, uh, playoff race stands, because the the Steelers play the Washington Football Clubs tomorrow. Um, on I think it's tomorrow, right? It's not. It's not Tuesday. Yeah. It's or today? Today it's scheduled it's for tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. So for for Sam Mellinger, Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Tiope, Sam McDowell. Beth Welsh, our producer. Thank you very much. And the biggest thanks to all you guys that uh, that uh, provided comments and questions. Uh, we really enjoy doing this and uh, and you guys make it uh, you guys make it fun for us. So good night, you guys, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday. That will do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to the A-team, Herbie Teopi, Sam McDowell. Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian for Talking Chiefs, and links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you, especially for those who want a deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for that can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. Another episode.